What's up everybody, this is Tommy Runs and this is the Run Eat Sleep Show. Uh, this is the episode with Cal Neff. Um, you might have heard of him from either watching the Marathon Project as he paced Sarah Hall to her uh, marathon victory, uh, or you might have heard him because he has a 50K Canadian record. Uh, you might have heard of him from trail racing. You might have heard of him from all different types of um, activities because he's basically a renaissance man, and and we'll get into that a little bit more in the episode. But check this out. Cal was a great guy. Had a lot of fun. Uh, some really cool tips in there and talked about trail running. We talked about road running, uh, ultra running shoes, and just the whole you know running vibe and, and where he what he takes from it, and then also how he balances all this stuff with family. Hope you all enjoy. Make sure you follow Cal. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can get notifications when the newest ones are up. Have a great one. Make sure you run, eat, sleep, and repeat. Yeah, I'll probably say that again later on the show too, but love you guys. Enjoy the episode. Oh, there you go, Cal. Yes, there we go. Finally, finally it has happened. I have Cal on the phone or on the whatever this thing is. Yo, I'm so sorry about that, man. Thanks. That's all right. It's technology, man. It's always something. Yeah, I mean, the, the funny part is it's been 32 episodes. This is the 32nd. Well, maybe the 32nd is not the charm, you know? That's it's 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 a it's a tough day, but yeah. So I really do appreciate you being on the show. I'm gonna do the intro really quick that I tried to do. I had this whole thing planned out. So I have uh, Callum Neff on the on the on the uh, on the live here with me right now. He the man is a marathoner, an ultra marathoner, a champion, a record holder, a multi record holder, and apparently, based on this uh, on this uh, article I found, you're the Houston's Renaissance man, right? Um, and and then most importantly, father, husband, all that good stuff, right? So, I just um, I don't know where to start because you have a lot of things that are going on. But one of the things that I have to say, just to get out of the way and just be awkward here for a minute, right? Right. So I got sent these shoes. Yes. Right? These are the the ultra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are the <laughs> ultra bears. You have the ultra bears, right? That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have these, and I have the Ultra um, Torin 4.5 Plush, which I'm, like, in love with, right? Yeah. yeah. And, but then I love the shoes, so there's no issue there. But the whenever I see someone run a good distance fast in Ultras, there's a total different level of respect immediately. <laughs> because, you know, like... I wear these when I'm like uh, on an easier run because I'm trying to get used to them as well because of zero drop and all that stuff. So it's definitely mm -hmm. a, definitely a change, right? But mm -hmm. it, it works different muscles than you're used to and all that stuff. So I saw like that you, you know, ran a 220 and then and then did the 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 uh, Canadian world world record, which will, I mean the Canadian record, which we'll get to. In ultras, I was like, this guy is a beast, right? Nice. Um, so, so let's just talk to me about like the ultra relationship, like how that come about, how long have you been with them? Um, yeah, you seem to rock them pretty heavy. Yeah, you know I've been with with ultra, and I like to tell people, you know, I, I choose you know my sponsorship, my supporters as much as they choose me. It's a mutual you know relationship that I've developed over a lot of years, and ultra's been my longest supporter, my longest sponsor. Uh, I started. Uh, as an ambassador with them, you know, I think it was seven or even eight years ago now. Oh. Back when they, back when they really only had the Lone Peak, which is just an awesome trail shoe. If you're wanting to get on 
to even just snow and ice or you're actually on trails that shoe is is where it all really really kicked off for them they had other shoes before that but now they've developed this we call it a quiver you know of of shoes not just trail but they have a quiver of road shoes as well and so like you saw you know in performance side of things uh you know i did set the the stroller world record in the torrent so I've run, I've run fast in that shoe. I was on the track in the Torn last night. You can run fast in all of the shoes, but yeah. when it comes down to pure performance, yeah, there's a few better ones suited for speed and track yeah. and, and things like that, like the Vanish, which I was in the last couple of races, okay. so, which is like more of a racing flat, and then we're right. developing some more performance stuff now, too. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, the Torrent Plush that I have, I mean, I, I definitely can move in them, um, but I just, I just, I'm slowly trying to get used to that, to that feel, because, I mean, I think I only run in ultras maybe once or twice a week, just because I don't want to jump from, you know, having like a, you know, eight millimeter drop to like zero, and then just, exactly. yeah, I think that I'm a long I mean, it's kind of like me, if I were to try to go to now a shoe with a drop, I would, yeah. I would really struggle, you know, because I'm not used to that at all anymore. So yeah. it just takes a little bit of time, but the Torin, if I recommend any one shoe, it's the plush for sure, just yeah. to go to that one. The more cushion you have, the, the quicker you can transition. Now, okay. The Rivera that you have on and that I have on right now, is that's brand new this week, so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a good intro-level shoe for everybody, too. Yeah, and I, as soon as I put it on, I felt like, it had like a torrent. I mean, I know this isn't an ultra commercial, but it felt like yeah. a torrent. It felt like a torrent plush uh, version to me, just with a little less padding there. Um, yeah. So it, it did feel quicker to me. Um, just I mean, just naturally, I guess it just set up a little differently. Uh, but you know, so I'm I'm really enjoying that one so far. And, and I just like as soon as I saw that, I'm I'm looking. I know you're an ultra athlete, but you've yeah. seen I've seen a lot of a lot of um, athletes kind of lately, especially especially around like the Olympic trials. Where you'll see somebody, they'll be an athlete, they'll be whatever have you as their yeah. sponsor, but then they'll like they'll have on some different shoes just for the performance aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, when I looked down and I saw like you know in the marathon project, I'm like, this guy is an animal, man. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and so you talked about ultra, you know, being you know starting where you kind of ran into them in the beginning was more on the trail shoe side of things uh so are you did you start on the trail or were you more trail and, and more less road or where are you kind of positioned now yeah. before yeah when when i first linked up with ultra i was actually moving back down to the states i'm in houston uh from canada and i was you know living in the rockies and had the, the mountains on my doorstep so i was very much into the ultra trail stuff and before i even done a road marathon i had done 125 kilometers 80 milers through the mountains yeah. so i was stepping down to the marathon uh, when I moved to Houston to get on the roads. Yeah. So I, I still stay in touch with everything. You know, I, I think it just makes you a really well-rounded athlete uh, when you can go from the track in the mile all the way up to these really long ultras in the mountains that take a really long time or kind of meet in the middle and do, you know, marathon or 50K on the roads. So it's really fast. And, and do you have, I mean, I know that, you know, it's all, to me, it's all running, you know, but I know that there's, it, this seems to be like there's there's a difference between a trail runner and a road runner and there's you know been like this not a clash really but you know like there's oh we don't want you to go back and forth or whatever do you ever feel like there's any pushback with amongst peers or or maybe fans more likely that like hey we, you know why are you doing so many road races or why are you doing so many trail races like do you get that push and pull at all 
No, no, there's really no pressure on, on what I want to do, but certainly I am embracing that Ultra is newer to the performance road side of things and that this year we're really going to, you know, if you stay tuned at the end of this year, we're really going to make an impact on what that looks like. And me and, you know, some of the other guys, Tyler McCandless, that run for Ultra on the road side, we're really embracing that position right now and bringing in some new young blood as well that's, you know, fresh to Ultra that are seeing that we're, you know, the biggest thing, performance aside, is just I, I'm, I've been healthy. You know, I've been able to run consistently because I'm in a healthy shoe for me. And, you know, that's that's what I believe in. And that's what I believe in for the athletes I coach. Now, talking about switching between ultra and road and trail and everything else, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to go from like that 100-miler distance and those really big ones back down to speed. You don't see a lot of people come back from the, the dark side there. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, I feel like I have a lot of years left in me, especially for the long ultra stuff. So I'm kind of saving my my primes for in the 40s, probably for that. So is it is it hard to transition to you know like where where's the difficulty I guess in you know like if you're used to the longer you know 100 milers or, or you know 100 k's and things like that, what's what's the biggest hurdle that someone ha- like that has to go through to get? Uh, to perform on the road, you know, because I would assume that there's speed involved in, I mean, there's definitely speed involved in the trail. It's just the leg speed, really. I mean, you just start, you, you use it or lose it kind of thing. And when you're doing those long ultras, I mean, you're you're on your feet for, you know, 10 or more hours a lot of the time. So you just you just start neglecting the other things that you don't need for ultras. So it makes it tough to come back. And you certainly, um, even if you focused on speed, it would be a, a longer transition to come back to it. Okay, right, right. Um, and and earlier you, you talked about you know that you see, you mentioned coaching really quick. I went to I went to your website, which is pretty cool because like I just not because I, I googled you and I'm like I didn't expect to see like your website right up top, which is really cool to jump in there and oh, wow, see all the see all the things that you're doing in there. Um, so like talk to me about the coaching side because you don't. I mean, I guess more and more lately, you, I feel like you're seeing more, you know, professional runners get into the coaching side of things, but it seems like you've been doing it for quite a bit. Um, yeah. When did you get into coaching? And then, like, and, and I kind of want to know, like, how and why, because it, it seems like yeah. you're doing a lot on the road. So, like, what made you say, like, I'm going to I'm gonna give this a shot, not a shot, but I'm going to try to help some people out? Yeah. You know, I've always just kind of been an athlete that, they wanted to know, you know, why we were doing a workout, you know, what's the reasoning behind it, what are the adaptations we're trying to get out of it. And, you know, I, I fortunately had a lot of coaches growing up just because we moved so much and we can get into that. But uh, just going through all these different programs, I was exposed to a lot of different methods. And even when I was, you know, I can think of, I actually went to a boarding school when I was 14. And if you've ever heard of the lore of running, it's this Bible of a book. It's, it's a fat sack book of running. Uh, by Dr. Timothy Noakes, and I remember reading that at the age of like 13, 14 years old, and that's a really deep physiological dive into running and and everything else. So, you know, it started really young age, and then when I got to college, I had a really good mentor come into my life named Marion Jones, not the sprinter Marion Jones. I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't see this on the website. That's supposed to be in the bio, like, I had Marion Jones. Yeah, I mean, it's the guy marion jones and he he was a sprinter actually and actually he he fired the gun for my 50k national record that i just did so it's been such a cool like full circle like relationship we've kept up since college and he actually 
he was a, he's a, at a school, St. Vincent de Paul, and he just basically handed me the keys and said, here's a hundred kids uh, that are looking up to you, coach them. And I was just thrown into the deep end, you know, and, and learn how to manage practices, how to herd children, you know, how to teach them the foundations of track and the rules and teamwork. And, and then of course, training and running. So it started right. when I was in college and I really appreciate that moment that happened with, with Marion Jones. And, uh, since then it's just kind of growing to, you know, people see my success and realize that I'm self-coached and they want to know, well, how did you do that? What mm -hmm. shoes did you wear? What did you eat? And what workouts did you do? So it's, it yeah. kind of just grew from there. And, and so right in, and now like, uh, do you have, you know, a large amount of people that you're coaching right now or is it, you know, mostly like an online situation for you? Um, yeah, I mean, especially with the pandemic, it's been, you know, really a lot of online private coaching. You know, I, I'm, I'm balancing about 50 athletes. It's a lot because I have a full-time job and I full-time train and full-time dad, full-time everything else. Yeah. But, um, I love it. And I think if you have love for anything, you'll find time for it. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoy I, the athletes are so different, right? Like no, no individual needs the yeah. same thing. It's, there's no templates. It's just like, uh, getting to know these people and see them, you know, meet their expectations and goals or even realize potential that they didn't even realize they had has been really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and building a business, you know, it's like, that's been really, you know, I, I'm in a, you know, middle age now, you know, coming up on 40 soon. And I think I'm just have a, a fire for that as well and growing and building a personal brand, yeah. which the, the, the coaching name is hard loop, which actually is uh, Afrikaans uh, in South Africa for run. It means run. And, uh, in South Africa, it's my favorite race down there is Comrades Marathon, which I don't yeah. know if you've heard of that one, but 56, that, yeah. 56 miles about uh, ultra marathon on the roads and just got canceled today, actually. I was really oh. bummed. I was hoping to go back. What was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be in June this year. Yeah. And it was like their hundredth running, too. It was going to be a really special memorial race. And yeah. again, going back to my childhood, in, in grade six, I had a teacher from South Africa that had run it. And he just planted this seed in my head that Comrades was the most pinnacle, incredible race in the world. And it was the toughest thing that ever existed he, as well. He told like just horror stories. And for some reason, yeah. right, scare me away. I was just drawn to that. And I finally got to do it. Uh, the last couple of years, but we'll see. Get back to it soon, I hope. Yeah, the, it seems. Yeah, it seems like if somebody told me like how terrible it was and all the horror stories, I probably would be like, you know, maybe not. I'll, I'll, I'll find something else to do. But I think that like there's a weird thing with runners because I was somebody was asking me how I started running yesterday, um, and it was like a, in, I ran my half, I ran a first half marathon and I didn't die. That was like the reason why. I came back is because I trained for it, did okay, and didn't die. And I was like, I could do that again, you know? And then you yeah. just want to get better at it and all that stuff. So what, what was your first um, ultra marathon distance and how'd you do? My first ultra was actually not even a race. Uh, and it was, I'm trying to remember, 2011, I think. So 10, 10 years ago, I did um 55 kilometers so about 33 34 miles through the mountains in canada and uh i had never run more than 30k and i called up this guy i'd never met uh he was putting on a, a fundraising event 
actually for his own son who has had a rare disease called mitochondrial disease and every year he did this thing called running on empty where he was like trying to replicate what his son goes through on a daily basis of basically depleting your mit- mitochondria yeah. Yeah. just like no muscle power and it was called running on empty and i said hey i'll come join you for your final you know 30k of your 100 100 miles that you're doing through the mountains and he's yeah. like oh, you can you can meet me for 50 i'll see you at 6 a.m at the trailhead my wife's picking you up and that was it like i was just wow. throwing it to the mountains and it took seven hours to do that 55k uh but it was like the coolest experience i'd ever gone through you know watching the sunrise from a peak with a bunch of other guys and learning from them uh to eat on the run and how to climb and, and everything else and it just definitely started something but also there's that competitive side to me that was like i think i could beat these guys you know (laughs) and so then i wanted to race and and i did a 50k in about four hours on the trail and that's where it all started i mean just the progression down to now under three has been pretty crazy yeah i mean whenever people talk about uh like trail like real like you know, real trail racing, you know, uh, when you're talking about like in the mountains and all that stuff and climbing, it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it seems poetic in a sense where it's like, where, you know, that competitive edge that we have as runners meets nature, you know, and, you know, because when you're on the road, it's, it's all about just, just running and, you know, don't trip or, fall or step in the pothole or whatever. But other than that, you're just running straight, making a couple turns. Um, mm-hmm. When you hear people talk about these long distance runs, or these ultra marathons and things through, you know, elevation changes are insane. It just seems like number one, it sounds crazy as heck to me. But then at the same time, it's like that's that's amazing, you know, because it it just is. You know, like I don't even know how to. I don't even think I would try doing them, but. You know, I've done I've done 25k, and I think I may leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, I've I found that I was a little burnt out after college. You know, racing yeah. at the University of Houston, you have cross country, indoor, outdoor season, oh, yeah. and seemed to never stop. And I definitely took a break, but trail running really rejuvenated my running. Like, I don't know if I'd be here back on the roads and running as fast as I am without dabbling in trail running, just because from a like a mindset it's just it's so much more enjoyable to run and and also the people the culture and you know the community and trail running is so different and you'll notice that if you go to a trail race when you're standing on the start line which normally at a road race you're not talking to people you know it's pretty quiet it's pretty competitive but at the trail race it's like you're hanging out yeah. um, we actually saw that clash it's starting to happening because you know what's returning right now is trail running well, yeah. when the roads can't get their permits in cities. So yeah. there's a lot of road people, and it's great to see going to trail races right now. But my really good buddy is a trail race director, and you could just notice that the road crew had showed up, and they were disrespectful to the park that they were at. You know, they were mm-hmm. putting their trash, you know, next to a cone, you know, rather than hold on to it and put it in a garbage can. Oh, yeah. Just disrespectful things like that that it just the culture shift was like there was people that weren't used to doing it and and showing up so i encourage everyone to get to the trails but just make sure that you bring a different mindset different mentality and approach to it yeah yeah because i mean i think 
it's almost like when they when they put the trash near the cones, like that was probably more than they'd ever done before. You know? Exactly. Like because yeah. on a road, you're just like you drink whatever you got and then just toss it because yeah. you, you know you got people picking it up along the way, but you can't do that you know out on the trail. Yeah. Um, so the race yeah. director is like pulling the cones or the mark the little flags up, and he's like, "I'm not here to." clean up after you guys you know <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah I didn't even think about that switch but it is good though to hear that you know people are, i mean because then you really realize like who really just wants to run you know um obviously yeah. they're doing it for like performance reasons but at the same time like they can find a treadmill i'm sure you know and yeah i mean i'm sure that they can find a way to stay fit but it sounds. It seems really cool that you hear people saying like, you know what, I'm just gonna try this trail thing out and have some fun, maybe, and experience it. But yeah, maybe maybe I'll get back out there and do something a little, you know, whatever. But let me just try to get a few things done on the road first before I go like, you know, climbing a mountain or anything like that. Because <laughs> um, I say I did a 25k, but the, it was like in Michigan. Um, not that there wasn't. It was, it was a trail. It was a real trail. It was like a single path. A single path. What do you guys call it? Single path trail or no path? Single track. Trail? Yeah. Single yeah. track trail. Um, so it was really cool. But it was the most that I'd ever done. You know, and there's a lot more ups and downs than like you know running on the road. It was fun, but it was. I mean, it's only 15 miles or so. So it's yeah. nothing like you guys are doing. Um, but so when, I guess, when did you? When was the first time? I'm skipping around here. Um, you talked about uh, the hard, the hard, the hard loop, right? And so that was your race that you put on for the 50k. Yeah, you know, I just haven't had these opportunities, and it was like the marathon project we saw pop up. Um, I wanted to do something for my own athletes that I coach, and as well as myself, you know, create an opportunity, you know, within the guidelines of the pandemic that I, I could knock out a, a goal of mine that's been on the on the radar for a long time. And coming out of the marathon project, I had that confidence because. I'd, I'd run a PR by seven seconds, but I'd, I'd watch my PR coming up on that clock as I approached the finish line, and I was jogging it in because I was giving Sarah, you know, her Oh, motion. yeah. And so I was just, like, completely controlled, comfortable within myself, yeah. and really happy, like, no regrets at all. But I knew that I could have taken a minute or two. You know, I didn't, you know, where, where was the line? I didn't get to that point. So I set up that, you know, uh, for four weeks later, used the marathon as my longest run, uh, longest long run, and then went into the 50K, feeling still a little banged up from the marathon, honestly. I probably um, could have got a better performance on December 20th when I did the marathon, but we set up this thing in Houston, and it was just an awesome day. Like The, the course was like eight feet underwater the week before, and it just wow. it's, a, it's a flood reservoir, and that drops. The gates open. The park cleaned all the roads and we had just the perfect cool weather because you can get hot humid days even you know today we had some so it's mm -hmm. it was just everything aligned the stars aligned and i just had that that magic day yeah i mean i saw some of the, i saw some of the uh, the videos of it and you know i think i saw some of it on you know ig live while some of it was happening and it looked perfect you know like absolutely perfect the weather looked great and yeah. it, obviously the finish line was definitely not underwater because, you know, you passed, you came through there pretty. And you still, even at 50K and you broke the Canadian record, I mean, you looked good coming in. Like, how how did you feel towards the last? Because that's what I always want to think about. Like, obviously, the, everything went well, you know, obviously for you to get that, um, that Canadian record. But how did you feel 
the last 5k or something like that because i've never run even close to that far yeah it that last five miles once you go over marathon and especially at the pace you know we're came through the marathon in 222 so we're i was cooking it and then that's when my final pacer the guy that was running with me dropped out and so i was solo for that final five miles and I was definitely having just like this tunnel vision coming in on me. I was like my, my vision and I was really focused, but also it was just like this overwhelming depletion that was setting in from energy. And I was just on the borderline of muscles starting to cramp. So it was just everything I could do to stay smooth. And, and really that's, I knew I had the record if I could just keep moving, you know, efficiently. And and that's all I was focusing on. And that's why I finished, you know, looking pretty strong. You know, I, I definitely didn't have too much left in the tank, but that's kind of how it looks it's just like yeah. i was 530 for me should look smooth you know because i can run 430 right it's it's much slower than my my all-out pace but yeah. after 30 miles of it it was it was just getting to the struggle point for sure. <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah those made those that those points made each other you know whether you're running 430 for you know 20 miles or or 530 for like 30 something miles but um well congratulations on that because like if everyone's listening if you just tuned in or whatever but that how long was that how long had that canadian record stood before you broke it um the other day yeah this is this is crazy and and having done it it's kind of made me a bit of a historian because it started looking back into more details but i finished the race and there was this older guy that was helping out ed fry uh with our water station and he was he was remembering they used to have an event in that exact same park 30 years ago and he ended up digging up the old race report that was written by uh gary Cantrell, which is the the barkley marathon guy that crazy yeah yeah. yeah yeah he had written a report on this race that had happened 30 years ago where the record was broken in the exact same park we were in and just complete coincidence in houston the canadian record so, uh, no no really yeah they used to have this thing called the Houston Ultra Marathon, and uh, Andy Jones, who actually is up in your way now, I think. I think he's in Ohio area, yeah. but um, Canadian guy had come down with Ann Trayson, which, if you know anything about ultra running, Ann Trayson is the legend of the sport. She she had won Comrades, Western States, broken all these world records, and actually on that day, she broke the world record for 50 miles. So. Uh, really cool history to dig up and Andy Jones had actually tried to run 50 that day 50 miles and dropped out um, after coming through in 50k Canadian record uh, and just laying flat out on the ground he was done so I got yeah. a picture of that really cool history that's so strange though like that I mean and that you didn't know either it is you know, same yeah. part, same record that's why and almost like, to the day like i think it's actually like just last week it passed the 30 year anniversary man so now you have to figure out where the 50 mile record is or something and then do that like you know well, didn't we just we just saw the 50 no we didn't see 50 mile we saw the 50k record right um, yeah um jim Wamsley did the 100k and he um uh, american record he has so, the, he has the 50k from last year though. Did did he get the 50k last year too? In the, he got the the split for yeah 50 mile. 50 mile. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you what, what's your take on what was your take on that whole you know the the 100k? Oh man, that was like painful to watch. Like, oh you were you watching it live? 
Yeah, I mean, I love that event, but it was just so painful to watch uh, those final, that long straightaway. It was like, we all expect 100 meters, right? Because we're used to the track, but that thing was yeah. like... That was a whole mile of a straightaway. Like, and I'm in the kitchen watching yeah. this thing, and I'm like, I start screaming at my, my phone, I'm watching it live, and my wife is like, you stop, you have to stop screaming. <laughs> and I like, and he's like looking at his watch, I'm like, yo... Just run, please. I know, that was killing me, the looking at the watch thing. I wonder, I mean, and I was like, I kept thinking, like, what are you doing? But then I'm like, dude has been running for six miles. I mean, for six hours. Yeah. He didn't lose it in the final 400. He lost it. Oh, lost it. I mean, he did awesome. But wherever yeah. he could get up was already oh, yeah, yeah. done in the first half, not the second half, really. Yeah, and then the guy's arms bleeding and all that stuff. So yeah. next run, next, next one that you do, the record you got to break, you got to. You gotta cut. You gotta come out with like a half an hour. You know, something's gotta be, be something. Yeah, um, but it, yeah, that was really cool to watch. And um, so, is do you think like, do you, what do you think the next record is for you? Because um, yeah. we'll talk about the other fun ones in a little bit. But what do you think? Are you gonna chase another record, or are you, what's what's next on on your horizon? Yeah, definitely looking at some of the the Canadian records, like actually some of the duration ones. So there's like six hour, 12 hour, those oh. kind of appetizing as well as 50 mile, 100K. So those those are all kind of in the next couple of years, we'll be tackling those for sure. But I think the next major thing I do will be probably a marathon PR attempt, which just having run 220 and 222 and a 50K, it's like for sure I want to go under that 219 mark and maybe even under 218 is, is potentially there. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. See if I can get up to Chicago or something this year, if that's going to happen. Oh, the Chicago marathon. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be pretty cool. I mean, if they do, I mean, obviously if they have the race, it'll only be you guys, you know, it's not going to be, you know, I mean, it's funny. I actually got rolled over to all of the marathon entries this year. So Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, New York. I was registered for all six in 2020. Oh, I was, was going to do them all, which which at the time seemed really crazy. But now they're all like within October, November. Oh, yeah, right? that never happened. No. Well, I mean, yeah. I, so so if they do. So now that because they're going to be all stretched out, if let's just say the fall works out perfectly and then they have all the races, what would you what would you how would you handle that since you're because you're going to you register for all six still, right? Technically, technically. Yeah. But I mean, international travel right now. Just yeah. even if even if it was possible, I just don't think it's the um, I don't know. It's not the like most respectful thing to do. You know, I, I don't want to personally be a super spreader going around all these marathons because there's, there's not even enough time between to to quarantine properly or know that I'm healthy. And, and maybe I have the vaccine by then. Who knows? But I just don't think you know. There's a lot of people that would really like to see family. My my wife included. You know, we we want to get back to Toronto, which is just north of you. And see a family that we haven't been able to see in two years, so it's it's low on the priority for me right now to travel uh, for the country. Vacation side of things. Now it is semi my job as well. You know, I do get paid to run, but still, you know, I'll pick some domestic stuff. I'm putting my money on Chicago this year, and we'll awesome. go from there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 so I hope it goes off for sure. Um, and as we're talking here, JJ Santana jumps on. Yeah. Um, What's up, so JJ? I might as well, while JJ's watching, I had JJ on the on the show, um, and it was a you know really cool episode, and we talked about the marathon project, and 
his story about how you know how he got to the point of pacing for you know the women's side of things and basically pacing for Sarah. Um, yeah. How did you go about getting? You know, how did that opportunity come about? And then why did you choose to do so um, in your journey? Yeah, you know, I think we were all just looking for something to do in 2020, and it was really, you know, from the organization standpoint, was a last-ditch effort for a lot of athletes to get, you know, their their sponsorship, you know, performance bonuses, and to get a official time for the year under them. And I reached out to them thinking, you know, I'm, I could maybe get in as an individual, like actually go to race in the men's race, but I could probably be stronger. Uh, to be a pacer for the women. It's a little bit more my wheelhouse right now as far as the times I'm running. Um, I'd heard hints that Sarah Hall wanted to go after, you know, about 220. And I was like, you know, I just ran 220 last year, uh, which which is funny. You look at a guy like JJ, like he's he's run much faster than that and a number of times. Uh, so they took a chance on me, you know, to, to let me in with my PR of 220 high uh, to try to get Sarah to 219. But um, I kind of just said, you know, Sarah hasn't done this either. And so I'm, I'm really invested personally in, in running fast and, and being there for her. Um, and fortunately, Josh Cox was the agent and the organizer with Ben Rosario. They took a shot and saw my training, really. That's what that's what told them I could do it. I was doing these workouts I'd never done before, you know, 15-mile tempos at uh, 5.16 a mile. You know? <laughs> So I was coming through like half marathon and 109 feeling good and keeping yeah. going as solo. So it definitely gave me the shot. Um, I talked to my wife, you know, we, again, we want to travel ourselves, but um, the COVID protocol seems like safe. And so it all just kind of worked out that I'd be able to go as a pacer and um, really happy I had that opportunity. Yeah. So, wh wh I mean, what was that like? I mean, were you... I mean, especially given the circumstances, I know you said like JJ had run other, uh, you know, had paces, you know, had his PRs were under that point. So how did you feel going into it? I mean, were you, I mean, did, were there any nerves involved in that or were you just like up for the, you know, straight up up for the challenge? And I mean, how did that feel pacing, knowing the person behind you is like needing you to do what you got to do? Yeah, when, when I first got it, I was I was nervous, but then again, I just fell back on my training, and I was like, this is the opportunity to go after it, and I can do this, and, um, you know, even if there was a little bit of pressure off because I was a pacer, so it was a matter of just getting as far as I could in the race as well, um, but I felt so confident, and once we got into the race, I had very few doubts myself, but I just fully put my energy into Sarah, you know, and I had this external thought process going on that was outside of myself and a purpose outside of myself that really just allowed me to to get the best out of my legs and body that day so i definitely kind of noticed the same thing with my own hard loop project it was like i'd set up this event not just for me but for my athletes and i really wanted them to have a good day and it all just um I think when you run for something or somebody else, you know, if it's a charity or a family member or somebody who's sick, it's like you just have that extra purpose. Right, uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, could, I could definitely imagine that. I mean, because even when you're, <clears throat> I mean, I haven't paced for anybody like that yet, but 
Um, I've, I mean, I've run with a couple of friends that were just trying to get to, you know, a PR, you know, in a 5K or just have a good workout, you know, and maybe I'm a little quicker than them. So, you know, like, hey, can you pace me through or whatever? Uh, and those are really cool moments, um, especially when the person, you know, is looks like they're feeling good and, you know, you're not too worried about them, but, you know, you're just making sure that you're doing this together. Uh, so I could see that how that would be a really cool experience. And when you guys turned that corner, that last corner or whatever, number one, both you and JJ looked like phenomenal. Like you guys look like this is like, we were, you know, we were getting- yeah, you guys had the adrenaline going and everything. And then, and, but it, it was a really cool moment. And um, I'm, I was happy. I was able to watch it. Um, and the way that they did the whole race and televised it pretty much, it was really cool. Yeah, it was. So, so like, I don't want to. I I have um I have a a daughter and a son and a, and, and married and my wife. Um, yeah. And you had and at the end of your race uh, on the fifty k, you came through. Number one, you had to compose yourself, obviously, because you just <laughs> you just broke broke a record and you just ran you know fifty k. So you you, de- you definitely had to compose yourself for a second. But then immediately, like all these girls ran up to you. Uh, yeah. These little girls ran up to you and you're hugging and stuff like that. Um, and that was just a really cool moment. And then your wife came over and hugged. Um, I was gonna ask, like, I'd love to ask you because you're doing you do, you do a lot, right? And you're balancing a lot of things. Like you said, full time job, um, professional runner, uh, you know. And and then within running, you're tr- you know ultra and marathon and breaking records, all this stuff. What's your what's your your why? You know, to to all of this to to keep it together because you have to have some some really you know, something in there that's like to, to be able to do all these things and do them all well. Cause it seems like everything's going pretty well. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, the balances can get off. It's not ever perfect. It's not like the perfect Instagram, you know, montage. It always is. Right. It's just, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of tough conversations and things that happen behind it all. But at the end of the day, it's my passion that, you know, I love. It's my way of connecting with people. I've, I've almost, you know, I've always called running a language, you know, like uh, it doesn't matter where I go in the world, I can connect with somebody I've never met and have an immediate connection with via running. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it holds just an important place for me. So really it's just out of passion. And of course, uh, happened to be somewhat talented at it and good and you know (laughs) i've worked really hard at it and you know i've gotten some performances that some people just would really dream of is just like i do and and so that helps too i'm I'm, you know i'm good at it and it's it's enjoyable uh to to keep seeing what's possible for me as a person just what is the limit and I, i haven't found that even though i'm 36 it's like how far can i run i don't know how how fast can i go I, I still think I can beat myself, my younger self, you know, and just, I just haven't given up yet. It's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. And, and so, and you know, when it comes to like on the, on the family side of things, I have, um, so I have a full-time job and working on the clothing line and stuff like that. Yeah. And, so, and I run. Um, so I'm sure that there's people out there that, you know, have as much as I have going on more than I have going on or less or whatever, but still like running. What are you like? What are you? What's your advice for somebody like myself that has a lot going on, loves to run, but you know, family's you know more important than in you know almost all, pretty much all of this. You know, we we work for family, but it's still at some point family trumps all this. What's your what's your suggestion or advice for people out there that you know just need to find that balance? You know? Yeah, I mean, it just 
sometimes it just comes down to having that support person like I do and my wife, you know, and uh, we have those conversations like, uh, I just need your support for this to, to, you know, I can't watch the kids tonight. Can you, can you be with the kids? And, you know, we find that balance that she needs her time to herself. But then also I just found from a very young, being a young father was, to include my kids, you know, and that's where the stroller started, you know, and all these mm-hmm. artifacts of having stroller records. But really, it just started out of not so much necessity, but just also seeing a joy that they had for running and not so much them running, but joining me for a run. And now that they're growing and out of the stroller, um, you know, we find ways to in- include them. So we have a nice track here that has, um, and they don't go to run, they just go to play. And so I just, do my workouts and they're there and they end up running too, you know, and it's a healthy lifestyle that they're living and, and seeing good examples. So it's kind of just about involving your kids to a point in your passion, you know, you don't have to push them into it. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure your kids see what you do and, you know, they'll draw from that, right. They'll pull from the energy. They'll pull from the, the methodology, like your, your dedication, to it you know and they'll turn it into their own thing who knows what that'll be yeah yeah no i like that you know including them but not pushing them i mean because i think at one point you know my, I think my daughter um it's like a therapy session now uh, my daughter joined uh she joined the cross country she joined, she joined the cross country team and i was really excited and i think she might have done that you know I, you know to, to get some friends to you know meet meet friends and stuff like that but then I think a lot of it had something to do with, you know, the, the fact that I run and, and that was really cool. But then at the same time, like you said, you can't just you can't start pushing them into doing it because then obviously that never works out. So, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take your I'll take some advice on that and try to, you know, include them more. I mean, my daughter's 13, so she has she wants nothing. I mean, she likes me, I think. But yeah. I don't think she really wants to have like that much to do with me. But so I'm gonna try to find some type of balance there. And I know for sure I can't put her in a stroller at this point. I think we'll figure <laughs> past that. So talk to me about these stroller records though, because they're really cool because it's like looking into it, it's like your your oldest daughter is the is the marathon world rec the, the marathon record uh, for yeah. a stroller, longest distance, oldest daughter. Your middle daughter is the half half marathon record, and then your youngest daughter is the ten K. So yeah. what are you going to do for that 5K? Like you're missing, like, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> I'm done, man. I'm done. <laughs> you're like, hey, I, we, can, we can, maybe you get a dog, put the dog in a dog stroller. Right. Get the 5K record. You got to finish the four, you know, like it yeah. feels unfinished here. Yeah, I know. Well, three kids, I, you know, I have some, some nephews and nieces. Maybe I could throw in there, borrow a kid, start running a yeah. service babysitting. That'd be yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah, yeah, and then for you, the 5K, what are we talking about? Like maybe 15 minutes, uh, you know, or 14, 14 minutes. Let me borrow your kid for 14 minutes, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 it'll be over quickly. But um, so like, was that like how, how did your kids remember those moments, like when they were flying in a stroller? Yeah, you know they. It, Maybe not all the races, certainly, but um, the, my eldest, when we did the marathon in Toronto, she was she was uh, four years old, five years old. Oh, yeah, she remembers. Some of the earliest memories she's going to have was that tour of Toronto that we did, um, and just you know that's where my mom and my dad, my family, my aunts, uncles, they all grew up, and so it's just really special to be back in Toronto and uh, to get to experience it that way with my kid. 
Yeah. And um, she'll remember that for sure. And, you know, the other kids were a bit younger when they joined me for the stroller, but they've always trained with me. So they, they I mean, the stroller is part of their, their life. Like when I'm getting my running stuff on, it's kind of like when your dog sees you putting your watch on and knows that it's time to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's them. They're going to the front door to either get their bikes now, but they used to be, you know, getting the stroller ready. Yeah. So it just started like, I just saw the, the dynamic between my daughter and son I change when when mom's not involved right you know how it is it's like oh yeah oh yeah when they when they don't have mommy to to call upon and it's just you and and her it's like it's so special yeah. and it really really saw how much it meant to both of us so yeah, yeah. that's really where it started the, the records are just part yeah. of it yeah, I mean, I mean, it helps that, like you said, it helps that you're fast. So, I mean, you know, there's plenty of people out here pushing strollers, running around, and having a great time, same experience. Just your tour was quick, much quicker than most people's tour of Toronto, <laughs> for sure. Um, and so uh, on the coaching side, I mean, because for the most part, like, you know, we're all watching you and, and as a professional um on, on the coaching side of things, as we, you know, 2020 was a crazy year, obviously, and, you know, there's, looks like there's some races going off and all that, and it'll probably be, you know, realistically more like the fall when races are really happening to the point where you could train for something and know what's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. So can you give us, you know, what do you t talk to your athletes about at this point? And how to you know number one, number one stay stay motivated, and just some tips on how to stay fit, stay motivated during this time because we're looking at maybe you know six months probably before like real races maybe even start up again. Yeah, for basically the past year, I've just been challenging them to be a little bit more creative with their running. You know, reach out and do things that they maybe don't ever have the opportunity to do. Do a different distance that maybe doesn't even exist like we went and did a two mile time trial uh which nobody's really run a two mile unless you went through high school track and so it's almost like a guaranteed pr and so people had a lot of fun with just changing up the the pace of things and mm -hmm. you know for marathoners focusing on that 5k speed is only going to help you once you return back to the marathon so mm -hmm. you know doing things that are different but complementary to to the goal you know if it is a marathon uh, has been really helpful for them. And I've been telling them that, hey, you can't start training once it returns. It's like, that'll be too late. Right. You know, the, the training has to be happening now. And you don't need to be doing the really long week mileage stuff, but we got to be doing a maintenance thing. And so I've been throwing really creative workouts that they've never really seen before, uh, you know, keeping them sharp in everything so that once we do hit go on, you know, a 12-week marathon plan, that they'll be ready. Um but, yeah, they, they've had a lot of fun just, you know, playing with different time trials, personal things. You know, if, if they do find a race, great. Uh, had a few get into ultra running and trails and just dabbling in that stuff. So mm -hmm. they've done done pretty well with it. And, and so, like, and I, I feel like I've heard more, more and more people um, towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year saying, like, hey, I'm going to we're going to use a training plan or I'm going to get a coach. And I think that, you know, that 2020 played a part in that because of maybe the lack of, you know, accountability maybe last year or whatever and just a lack of motivation. And um, the question, I don't know where I was going with that, but the question I, I, I'd love to ask is, you know, for someone that's self-coached um, but then also a coach, you know, what do you see like some of the real 
you know, benefits for, you know, an average runner to having a coach during a time like this, especially when you're, you know, like you said, there's no race like right there, you know, that's a, there's no 12 week block and you're going to be guaranteed to run a race. So what, why do you think it's so important right now to have a coach? Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's a little bit about the accountability and just having somebody else looking at your calendar and saying, you know, tomorrow you're going to do this or yesterday. Why didn't you do that? Um, that definitely for some people is the motivational factor, but Again, it's like there's only so many times you can do 800 repeats um, before you just go thick in the head, right? And so I just like, as a coach that, you know, is constantly studying and been around the world and seen other programs happen, I'm able to throw different stimulus at a person that they've never seen before. And it's kind of like I said about going to the trails. It's just reinvigorates that passion for running again when you're doing something different that takes your mind off of you know what you've been doing maybe for three years um you know a lot of the times we're just getting off the track you know people are just they they compare themselves to their their old faster selves you know and that it's it's a bad trap to get caught in so it's fun to do workouts that you can't compare to 800 repeats so you can't compare to what you used to do in high school or what you did last year even it's just but it still has benefit and so that's kind of where a coach can come in and just really encourage you in the right way and give you the tools to to push you and um and really just keep you healthy for one see a lot of people going too hard too often or you know just doing the wrong workouts for them or the wrong mileage so just having that second eye on your training can be really helpful too yeah i I think i like that like accountability part because it goes both ways with the coach um because there's there's moments where you know they obviously hold you accountable to get out there and doing the workout or doing the runs but then at the same time they're holding you accountable to stick into the paces prescribed you know because you know, you'll get out there and say, like, oh, today, you know, I feel amazing today, so I'm just going to, I'll dig a little deeper and go a whole minute faster than I'm supposed to because, yeah. you know, I'll do that for sure unless I have someone that says, like, hey, you know, stick to this because, you know, this, here's the the, the big pictures down the road. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason why you need to, like, just because you feel good today, there's no reason why, you know, talking about myself, there's no reason why I need to go out here and, like, prove it to, like, Strava. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then yeah, like Strava can be tough. <laughs> yeah, and then like three weeks from now, like I'm like, I don't know why my knee hurts. Like, you know, like it it all it all works out in you know, in your favor or against you if you if you don't hold yourself accountable for that mm-hmm. that level that you're supposed to be at. Yeah. So and and so I, I really do appreciate your time uh with the with me today. Um and you know, you I just feel like you 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 do a lot. You do so much. I keep saying that because you, you literally like the whole Renaissance, the Houston Renaissance man thing is actually like a real thing. I mean, because you you are kind of all over the place, but it's all related to running, so it's really cool. What what would you like to leave us with? Um, you know, for for just people in general, like you know us, you know, fast runners, slow runners, whatever it is. What would be something that you want to have somebody remember from this uh, from this show that could kind of help them going forward? Well, first, I got some trivia. Okay. Because you're in Detroit, right? I'm terrible at trivia, though, by the way. I like panic. This is actually like a question that could come up in Trivial Pursuit. So maybe you could win like some some bar trivia game or something. But did you know that you can actually, on the bridge to Canada, out of Detroit, you're heading south to go to Canada? 
Yeah, I did know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. It's it's yeah. crazy, but it's weird. It is weird. Yeah, that's that's our drive every summer. So yeah, you just, I mean, and when you're when you're doing when you're there, you know, you don't think that at all. You know, you, you just feel like yeah. oh, it's Canada. We're we're looking up. <laughs> you know? We're going north. You know? Yeah, we're going north. This is what we're doing. Um, that was that. that I, w- I wish I would have been thinking about that when I ran the Detroit Free Press, and you know, it's it's only mile three, but you know, like there's. Uh, you just get on that get on that bridge. It, it's a long way up, you know, and it, I think it's like oh, a mile yeah. from one, from from rise to to fall or whatever on the other side. So it's a really cool bridge to climb and all that. And it was a really cool race. Have you run the Have you run the free press before? No, I definitely need to get up there for that one for sure. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, because you yeah, mile three you go over the bridge into Canada. Okay. And then mile eight you come back through the tunnel. Cool. You know, and so it's 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 awesome in that sense. And people, some people don't like the tunnel because it's like they start thinking about the fact that you're in a tunnel underwater, and yeah. you're like, what if this happens? They start or, or, or they can't see their pace or their GPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't even think I looked at my watch in the tunnel. I just kind of kept the little pace I was going and all that. But Paris, Paris does the same thing. I got to do the Paris Marathon, and you go through a tunnel, and they actually put like a almost like a rave laser lights and stuff in there but your watch is just beeping like crazy because it doesn't have reception but um yeah i mean how long was is it a pretty long tunnel in there uh, it was uh, yeah it was more than a probably half mile or so i i, I think yeah, yeah i think that I, th- I think i think the the tunnel back from canada i mean it's almost a mile so you're in there for you know you're in there for a little bit i mean you'd be in there for like you know maybe four and a half minutes or so <laughs> It'd be pretty quick, but you know, it, I just, I, it's a great race. I think you should definitely try it. Um, it gets a little quieter on the back end, but it's a huge crowd when you come in. Um, yeah. I think that you really like it a lot. Well, and uh, yeah, so that's that's just kind of a funny Canadian U.S. trivia. But also, I enjoyed you. Uh, I enjoyed your Caratomato show as well. And oh, yeah. actually, we were texting yesterday. Um, I had a funny story to tell about her. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Oh, but, let's, oh, please tell me the story, please. So. I, after the marathon project, I'm getting in the van at the hotel, the resort we were all staying at, and uh, we're pulling away, and there's this paper blowing through the the drive at the hotel and grab it. It's like a pink slip. Like, it looks really important. And sure enough, it's uh, a USA doping enforcement paperwork for second-place female, and it's, like, blowing around the parking lot. And uh, I'm like, shit, this is, like, really important, you know? It's really important. I get on Instagram and I text her and just like, hey, I found your USADA paperwork. Like, you might need this for your records. And uh, so, anyways, I ended up mailing it to her, but I, I put in a fake letter and it said, uh, no, I shouldn't have really joked about this because I didn't know her that well, but I was like, congratulations on behalf of USADA. Your drug report is negative, but you were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> So I was messing with her, but she she's a joker, right? Oh <laughs> man, that's so awesome! Yeah, so I was like, oh, hopefully my postcard of me with this pushing a stroller. Like I sent her some funny stuff, like makes the fridge for the week or something with your kids. Yeah. Um, she's like, I'll yeah. do you one better. And so she sent me a photo. I'm I'm on her on her fireplace mantle now. There's a postcard of me pushing a stroller up on her fireplace. So that was pretty that was cool. Awesome. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, that was a that was a really fun episode with her last week. Um, 
And, I mean, <clears throat> I could tell like she was gonna be like a fun uh, guest to have just because like her Instagram and all that. But it turned out to be it was really cool. Like it was a it was a fun time talking to her, um, and she's really into puns as well too. Like, so yeah. if you got some good ones, you let them fly for sure. Yeah, I might be in for a pacing job with her one day, so I'll have to load up on the dad jokes and stuff. Exactly, exactly. And, and apparently, like, sweets of some sort. Um, we're still working on an Oreo sponsorship for her somehow. Okay. All we right. got to get it. Like, she's got to be on an Oreo commercial. I don't care. Like, that'll be that'll, <laughs> that'll be our claim to fame if we can get her on an Oreo commercial somehow. Um, but I really do appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, please continue to share all the things you're doing because we're all watching and you're inspiring a bunch of us. So thank you for all that. Yeah. And just to leave you with the note, I, I did write a blog up on the last couple of races. I did the marathon project and the 50 K and it's going to be on the rabbit, uh, site, but it really just talks about, you know, how do you label yourself? How do you identify? And, and it really gets into that. You know, I'm many things. I do a lot of things. I'm a Renaissance man of running as Becky Wade wrote about me, but um, I, I encourage people to follow up with that one and get a start on how to identify themselves in running and, and where it, what it means to them. Okay. So, yeah, cool. So, yeah, when I, when I post something about this, I'll comment about them checking out, checking out the blog about the last uh, couple races um, yeah. so they can kind of benefit from that. And I'm sure it's, like, in your link somewhere on your Instagram. But um, yeah. thanks, so, thanks so much for your time. Everyone that's watching this, please make sure you follow Cal. It's at CalNeff, N-E-F-F. And thanks so much for watching. And Kafuzi joins the cheese. What the heck is this? Like, like we got famous people popping up on us. But thanks so much for joining uh, the show with me, man. And I'm yeah, thank you. I look forward to seeing all the cool things that you're doing in the future, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Good night. All right, bye. What's up, guys? Hopefully, 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 hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Cal's a really cool guy. It was a really laid-back episode. Uh, had a great time. I can't wait to see, you know, some of the things that he's going to be doing in the future. He seems like he's one of those guys that, you know, will look at a record or something like that and just say, hey, I'm going to go after it. Uh, so I can't wait to see what he does and as he continues to grow and provide value to the running community i will be one watching and a fan of it so thanks so much cal for for joining us thanks so much for watching this episode make sure you run eat sleep repeat and somewhere in there make sure you subscribe to the podcast because it makes me feel good and then also go follow chip time running at instagram love you guys run eat sleep repeat